Welcome to Feed Your Health, a weekly podcast with your host Morgan Shepherd, where we'll be taking a deep dive into the big dial movers of health, focusing on movement, nutrition, and stress management. You'll get tangible takeaways, tactical knowledge, and exclusive stories to inspire and empower you on your transformational health journey. Let's get thriving. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with my special guest, Sam Chernak. We're going to be talking about body image and bullshit in the health industry, as well as sharing personal stories and struggles that we've had while dieting and our challenges with perfectionism and all or nothing mentality. Let's just get started. Here we go. Hi, this is awesome. I'm so excited. So Morgan and I met in a business coaching group which is an awesome group. And I was totally not expecting to create the relationships that I did. I don't know about you. I was totally expecting just to like get the strategy and the business info. But for me, the relationships have been the best part. Absolutely. The community and the people, it's like, it's totally where it's at because we all sort of work off of each other and like build off of what each other is learning. And then even if people are different levels, you can still get that like empowering vibe going. So for my audience, do you want to just give a little spiel about who you are and like what you do? What's your story? Sure. So I'm Dr. Sam Chernock. I'm a physical therapist by trade, although it's my second career, I actually worked in public relations before I transitioned into Mm -hmm. my physical therapy career. But I've had my own practice for a few years now. I recently transitioned online and I've gone through so many iterations of my business already in three years and just and just trying I mean it's been a journey right but really my passion from the beginning has been to help women feel strong and good in their body especially being when I worked in physical therapy clinics I was a lot in that western medical model where people would come to us referred by doctors, oftentimes, you know, their pain would resolve with physical therapy, but a lot of people would be in that almost like this, I picture this like cyclone tornado of this Western medical model where they would go to their doctor, try physical therapy, physical therapy didn't work, maybe get a cortisone injection, try PT again, maybe they'd have to have surgery, right? And there really wasn't a lot of other talk about some of these other Eastern medicine or more conservative therapy approaches. Um, So it just, and then I had my own chronic back pain journey I was going through during physical therapy as I was practicing. And so it just really opened my eyes to the bigger picture of pain is so much more than just our physical musculoskeletal system like I was trained in. So it's really sent me on this, on this journey of figuring out and, and also it just helped me realize the patients that I had in front of me. It's like the ones that didn't get better with that traditional physical therapy model, there was something else missing. So, so I've been on a, on a journey to discover that and implement different tools for my, for my clients and 
But like I said, I'm mostly super passionate about helping women get super strong and feel really good. I love that. So that's me. Oh, awesome. How about you? Share your story. Very similar. What you do. In that I like helping people. So I'm a certified transformational nutrition coach. It's a mouthful. I know. Um, but I like helping people who are struggling with their weight, lose weight without all the restrictive dieting and the obsessive, like overworking out overtraining. And also I do it in a way that they can work on their relationship with food because I come from a background of like emotional eating, comfort eating, turning to food as a as a coping mechanism for like my depression and my challenges in life. And just, you know, I was, I was working jobs that were like not healthy. So my, my solution was to turn to food. And so now I help people navigate that journey and develop the skills and the tools to overcome that so that they're feeling stronger, they're empowered, and they feel like they have the confidence to be able to travel this journey. And also I am a foodie. So I I understand that food is important. It's like my, my soul, basically, like I worked in food service for 13 years before this. So I basically I took my passion for nutrition. And then I mixed it with my love of triathlon, which I'll tell you about later. But (laughs) I had found triathlon after a little bit of like, I gained some weight, and I was struggling in my job, and I needed like a community to sort of, I don't know, like, it was what helped transform my life, we'll just say. But basically, I've taken my love of nutrition and my love of triathlon and put them together to be like, how can I help people? How can I give back to the world and improve other people's lives? So that's basically what I do. It's so good. I know, right? Like, how do you how do you briefly summarize everything? You did a great job summarizing. I tried. I'm like, wait, tangent, tangent, tangent. It's fine. (laughs) I know. know. And I realized I was like, I got so caught up in like thinking about my, like just my evolution. I'm like, I didn't even mention that I work with women with chronic back pain, which is like literally my jam and my passion and my bread and butter. So I know I told you I, I struggle to follow the outline, but there's just so much to dive into. There is. We actually have a list of things that I think we've decided we're going to talk about. Body image, exercise culture, diet culture, that kind of thing. Weight loss and dieting, obviously. And basically the relationship that nutrition has with inflammation, with your emotions, with depression, and those kinds of things. But starting off with body image. So I know we've each had different experiences with this, you know, from the age of being a child to now and all of that. Tell me a little bit about your journey and what that's been like. Yeah. As I was thinking about this, when you and I chatted earlier, it did start from a very young age. But as I've been thinking about what that looks like now. And for me specifically, it honestly has been super recent where I feel like I've finally turned the corner to understand what it means to love myself and my body, no matter the size. Because I would tell myself like, yeah, I'm grateful for my strong body. I'm grateful for this. But then I would still be like, like looking in the mirror and grabbing onto my stomach or like picking apart all the parts of my body that I hated and wanted to change. 
And I guess side note, I think it could be both. And I think I will probably always struggle a little bit, like looking in the mirror and being like, oh, I wish this was different because it's been ingrained from such a young age that, you know, that's just kind of what we've been taught. And also can, I think now I can more quickly recognize what I'm doing as opposed to getting stuck down that rabbit hole and sucked in. I can be like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I can be grateful for this and this and this and just kind of like change my mindset a little bit. But I will say when I was going through my back pain stuff, I never had any major injuries. I grew up dancing. I played competitive volleyball. And the worst that happened was I sprained my ankle and I was out for a couple weeks and I never had any other injuries. And um, my back pain, my back pain started like pretty much the day I started practicing as a physical therapist, which maybe we'll get into later. But when I like, I couldn't work out without burning pain, shooting down my legs, I could barely walk for five minutes. And I was used to doing like, I was used to running and lifting weights and doing just like really high intensity stuff. And because I loved it, I enjoy working out. I've always taught fitness classes and things like that. And so when I couldn't work out, it was devastating to me, mostly, honestly, because I was terrified of gaining weight because exercise had always been the method I used to burn calories. And so now I was like, Fuck, like, what am I going to do? I can't burn calories. I can't lose weight. And so then, of course, I also turned to food and alcohol to numb the depression I was feeling because I couldn't lose weight. There was nothing else to do. So I'm like, I might as well eat or drink because I can't like, I can't do anything else without pain. And so I, I did end up gaining more weight. And it just was, I was just stuck in this cycle of trying diets to lose weight, but beating myself up because I could never stick with them because there were deeper issues And so, so I really do think my back pain, it was like three to four years um, coming out of that and that healing process that really helped me make that transition that I mentioned just until recently of like discovering how amazing my body truly is and its healing powers and capacity. And also I feel like I'm stronger now than I ever have been through that process. I totally fell in love with strength training in a different way. And yes, it's, it's transformed my body composition in a different way that feels good. And, and it's got that aesthetic look that I've wanted. But more than that, it's been like, oh my gosh, like I'm so shocked at what my body can do. And I think that that's where that switch has come from. Like I truly love and appreciate my body for what it can do instead of how I look. Maybe I like teary eyed. Yeah. I'd love to hear yours. I can relate so much to what you said in like the way that it's always going to be a thing. It's always going to be something that we Mm. think about that we're struggling with because of society, because of social media and television and just everything that is thrown at us. We never really had the choice to decide what was beautiful. Mm. It was taught. It was told. It was like, this is what beauty is. And so I feel like I'm in the same boat in that, like, growing up, I lived in Africa and everybody looked different than me. So it was a it was a weird thing to go through as a child because I I didn't 
I was this different one. And like genetically, my grandparents have large hips and I have large hips, but all of my classmates did not. It was one of those like I nitpicked that part of my body for so many years and I felt so uncomfortable. I wore baggy clothes. I tried to hide my body. And then it wasn't until mm -hmm. I, I came to the States for college and I like saw a wider variety of people. And I was like, this is actually something that people like. People like a, like, a big booty. I didn't yeah. realize that, but okay. <laughs> um, and, and then like after college, I started working at a bakery and I was working the morning shift. So I would go in at like 3am and then I'd work my, my day. And then I'd have a little bit of a day after that. And then I'd go to bed at seven and I was working at a bakery. So I got a lot of free food and free treats. And I, you know, they talk about the freshman 15. Well, I got the freshman, not freshman, but after college 16. <laughs> and like, I was in a state where I had no social life because I was working all the time and I was exhausted all the time. And it was a very labor intensive job. So I was on my feet all day and I was just exhausted when I got home. So I didn't like, I kept turning to food for comfort. And I lived in this like little tiny, smaller than 800 square feet apartment. I think it was like two rooms, maybe. And that was my life. Like I went to work and I went to home and I went to work and I went to home and I ate all the things. And it wasn't until I, I was sort of like not bribed into doing triathlon, but like all my family members signed up and they were like, oh, we should do this thing. It was like a New Year's like gathering. And they were all like, let's do this thing. And I was like, sure. I don't know what this is, but why not? And we all signed up. And then I had to find a bike and like find a pool. And I didn't really know how to run. Like I'd always wanted to run, but I didn't know how. And so I'm teaching myself to run. And I spent the next like several months training for this race. By the time we got to the race, no one in my family did it. It was literally just me, <laughs> which was fine. It was amazing. It was like a party. It was a wonderful experience because there were so many different types of people racing, all different shapes, all different sizes. And I felt part of a community in a way that I had never felt before. And I liked that. So I pursued that. And I think that was like one of the, oh, I can still look like this and be an athlete. Mm. And like realizing that I was an athlete, that has taken me a very long, long time to accept. Because in my head, I'm like, athletes are fast. They have great success. They have like speed and agility and strength and all of this. And like, I'm and at the back of the way. And right? look a certain way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even think I started calling myself an athlete until like three years ago. And I've been racing Ironman and triathlon for 15 years. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, body, bodies are interesting. They're so interesting. I, um, so I'm like taking notes because I have a few things that I wanted to circle back and ask you about, but kind of on this like athlete thing, one thing I thought you, you said, I have always wanted to run, but I didn't know how. Do you remember why you wanted to run? I honestly, I wanted to be an athlete. Like I always wanted to be an athlete in mm. high school. I was on the track team and I was on the swim team because I had to be on a team in order to graduate. Like I needed, it was part of the requirements. I did it only because of that. 
And because when I looked at my friends who were actual good runners, they were having so much fun. And like, you know, when you watch those sports movies and like the runner like trains and does this thing and like they get an award and like there's usually some scene where they're struggling really hard. Maybe they're running in the rain or something and it looks painful and awful. But like at the end, they're really happy about it. I just had this vision of like, that would be so cool. I don't know. Maybe I'm a masochist. And the motivated music, like right. pumping you up. Exactly. It's so inspiring. And I wanted to be <laughs> like that. So yeah, I don't know. My cousin was a soccer player and I was like, she's so cool. And like, she does sports and stuff. And I kind of wanted to be like her. And she ran. Yeah, I was just, I asked because one thing that I hear a lot from my clients, and I even experienced myself, like, for me, you know, we would run to train for volleyball practice. And I would then I just started enjoying running, or I would do it on my own to train. But then as I got older, and so like, actually, when I was going through my back pain journey, my goal was always, I just want to be able to run again, I just want to be able to run again, because it felt like that significance of like, I can do anything, my body's strong enough to do this, like, hard, intense thing. But then when I started, I was like, Oh, like, I'm not really interested anymore. I just wanted to be able to do it. And I see that in a lot of my clients where they tell me they're like, I just really want to be able to run. And then we get them running. And they're like, actually, I hate running. I don't want to do this. But a lot of the conversations we have is they either want to just feel strong enough or good enough to run. Or they want to run because they think it's going to burn the most amount of calories. And so that's why I was just curious if there was like kind of into that body image thing, if there was anything for you of into that of like, I don't think it was about, it was definitely not about burning calories. It was about aesthetically. I liked the way that runners looked, but also like, I don't know, I guess in my head, runners could go explore more. If you went to a new city, you went for a run, you would just go explore the city. And like, to me, that was really cool because like you were doing all the same, like you could see all the same things, but you could see it faster. (laughs) I love that. And like when I came out to California, I joined a run club. And so every Wednesday we'd go running and Saturdays we'd do some trail runs and trail running was cool because like you could go explore the nature. And I like that. Yes. Um, yes. So are you training for a triathlon right now? I'm actually not. I have actually sort of cut back on triathlon, triathloning. I don't think that's a word <laughs> <laughs> to focus on strength training. So I've been doing a lot of strength awesome. training for the last like six months. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. The random race thrown in that I haven't trained for, but you know, fine. <laughs> But I think for me, the strength training came because I was like, I know if I do this, I'll be a better athlete. But also, I want to live longer and not end up broken. Like I look at so many people like my mom and my aunts and uncles and relatives and they're, they all like they've sprained their ankles and they've fallen and broken a hip and they've tripped and this has happened. And I just like, I, I want to be able to do the fun, exciting things in life as long as possible. And if I don't start growing muscle now, I mean, you know, it's going to be so much harder later. And, you know, I want to have it for longevity and to be able to move well. Yes. Yes. And I feel like recently 
I don't know how long it feels. I'm so terrible with time. Maybe it's been like a few years, but it it seems like there's more conversations about strength training, especially for women who have historically been taught more of like, find us on the elliptical machine or, you know, just doing kind of like more low impact exercise. And from my perspective as a physical therapist, there is a lot of that coming from the medical community of like, especially even what we learned in school is be careful not to lift too heavy. You know, don't strain your back, lift with your legs, be careful with your back. And so even for me, as I was rehabbing my own injury, I was terrified of lifting weights because we've been told that it's it's dangerous. It can be really dangerous, especially like even thinking about the CrossFit world and all that was kind of just first coming to fruition. But, and I think a lot of people think weightlifting equals CrossFit, but that's like an aside. Um, And so it's cool to hear you say that. And I think that there's more messaging around that, but it's so ironic for me to see now is like I said, even when I was going through my back pain stuff, I stuck with Pilates. That's initially what my physical therapy practice was because I, and I told all my patients with back pain, Pilates is the best thing you can do. Pilates is the best thing. It's, it's gentle. It'll build your core. Right. But then for me, once I started strength training, it was like immediate change. Like I felt so much better. And like I said, I have, I felt stronger than I have. So it's cool to hear you already have that knowledge of no strength training is literally what helps you prevent all these injuries and prevents you like the longevity piece that you mentioned. Did you have any fear around going to the gym? Cause like, I know for me, it took me a long time to be able to go to a gym and feel like, okay, I can go lift weights and not feel uncomfortable because like I would go and I would go on the treadmill. I was okay with that. I could, I I could look at a couple of the machines and be like, okay, I can figure this out. I, I know how to do this, but like the dumbbells and the barbell, I didn't start doing that until like six months ago. I mean, I took CrossFit for three months, but that was a little, I couldn't handle that. But like <laughs> for you, did you have any of that like hesitation or fear or like, yeah, So I had never had experience with barbells. I was comfortable with dumbbells and lifting weights. And so it wasn't so much the fear of going to the gym and using the equipment. My fear was, like I just said, in the back of my head, lifting weights is dangerous. Be careful. Don't move wrong. You're going to flare your symptoms up and have to start back at square one. And so for me, even feeling like the tiniest hint of, a strain or a pull or any type of like nerve pain resemblance, I would freak out. I would literally burst into tears. I would just like put down the weights, run to my car, burst into tears. Cause I was so scared that, like I said, I was going to have to start back at square one. So that was more my fear of trying to figure out and navigate what I can do and what I couldn't do as opposed to that. Int- like, how did you, how did you get over that? I hired a coach to help me which was huge. And she would program for me, give me very specific exercises. And, and I really did need that little push because if I didn't, I would have been like, I would still be using five pounds because I would be scared to do more. Um, And so I think that really was, was the, the key for me. And also 
I was going through a lot of just kind of like spiritual healing, mental, emotional processing through therapy. And that helped a lot too in learning and recognizing what my pain actually meant and that it was coming from, sure, like I have herniated discs, I have arthritis in my spine. A lot of that is or was contributing to my symptoms. And also I hated my job. I was super stressed out. I was going through just this really uncomfortable spiritual change in my beliefs um, and letting go of what I grew up with and accepting that I don't believe that anymore. So it was just a lot. Um, And so I think that holistic approach really, really helped me in addition to having a coach telling me exactly what to do. (laughs) Well, yeah, for sure. Because all of those things, they show up in your body. Like... (laughs) past trauma. It's like, hi, we're here. We're going to make this thing in flames. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But how did you, was your fear of the gym? Would, was it more intimidation in terms of, like you said, not knowing how to use the equipment or what to do? So I had a lot of fear of, of injury, but it was more of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to drop a weight on my face or I'm going to trip mm-hmm. on something or I'm going to do something wrong and look stupid because I have a huge fear of other people judging me, (laughs) even now. Same. (laughs) And going to a gym was just, they can be so intimidating. There's all Mm -hmm. these buff people. And like, even if you know that technically we are all there for the same reason, which is to improve our bodies, that doesn't make it any more comfortable. Um. Mm -hmm. But I have found some spaces that are really inclusive and welcoming. And so I was able to take a couple barbell one-on-one classes and that was awesome. And then obviously I got a coach as well because I think that was super, that was one of the biggest things where I was like, I want to know how to do this thing better in a way that is not going to hurt me. And while I could do my own programming, I'm going to pay someone because it's just easier. I don't have time for that. I don't want to have to stress about it because I know I'm a perfectionist and I'm an overthinker and I'm going to sit there and be like, well, is this right? Am I doing it right? It's probably not right. So I'm going to have to fix it and like this whole thing. And it would just take way more effort than necessary. And if I can just pay someone who's going to be like, here, do this. Yes. Yes. Uh, That's so interesting. I hear that a lot. I experience that as well. Um, And I hear that a lot from my clients. And because, again, we've been told or taught that if we move wrong or don't have perfect, quote unquote, perfect form, then something bad will happen. So I totally get I totally get where that's coming from. But I do think it's important to like develop that awareness of like what is actually happening in your body. And that's something I talk a lot about in my coaching, specifically about like eating, but like even just like throughout your day, how you're moving, what's happening, you know, if you feel a tw- a twinge in your body, is it pain or is it, is it, you know, you just moved wrong or like it's a little too heavy or like something like that. I have a lot of fear around like increasing the weight because mm-hmm. I don't want to like hurt myself. But I often mm-hmm. feel like I do, I've talked about this in like previous podcasts, like I call them micro quitting, but basically I know I can lift more than it, but I'm too afraid to push harder because I don't want to, because I don't want to hurt myself, but, but I'm letting myself down because I'm not letting myself 
push through that because it's just a fear. I am strong enough to do the move. I just, I don't let myself. I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm, Totally. Totally. Well, do you think it's that you're not letting yourself, that you're holding yourself back? Or do you think maybe just your nervous system isn't ready? Probably a little bit of both, but a lot of times it's, I need to be perfect. So of course Mm. I'm not going to do it until I know I can do it. Yes. My mom, my mom used to tell me (laughs) that, um, when I was a kid and I was learning a new language, I wouldn't say the words until I could say them perfectly, which is, I mean, that is how I go through life. And I know it's not a good thing and we're working on it. We're making progress. (laughs) It's a slow thing, but I get a lot of clients who are perfectionists. And honestly, we get Mm -hmm. so wrapped up in this, like we have to be perfect. And I think a lot of that also comes into body image. Like we have to look Mm -hmm. a certain way. If we start lifting weights or if we, you know, start eating healthy, we have to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, and also like size plays into that because Mm -hmm. society says that skinny is, is healthier, but it's not necessarily true. Exactly. You said so many things that I want to circle back to still, but (laughs) the perfectionism thing, that's what I was going to ask is do you see that show up in people who quote unquote fail diets, for example, or I should say maybe how do you, how do you see that perfectionism show up in what you help your clients with in that nutrition coaching space? So a lot of people come to me with challenges with emotional eating, with overeating and that kind of thing. And they've tried a bunch of different diets and they talk about not being able to be consistent. And I think a lot of times we get confused about what consistency actually means. It does not mean showing up every day and doing all of the things perfectly. If you're eating Monday through Friday perfectly, and then Saturday and Sunday, you're ending up in a bag of chips or the bottom of a pint of ice cream and like five pizzas in, that's not consistent. It's, Mm -hmm. and I'm learning this with, with life too. It's not all or nothing. Like you have to do a little bit at a time and those little incremental changes, those little moments of like, I'm going to make this healthy decision. I don't know what's happening the rest of the day. I'm not going to worry about it, but right now I'm going to make one healthy choice and focusing on that rather than being like, I I have to be perfect. Oh, I, I, I messed Mm -hmm. up. Now I have to, I, I'm, I'm just, I may as well, I may as well just dive deeper into this because I've already messed up. But I like to teach that it's not, they're not failures, they're experiments. So we're literally mm-hmm. scientists of our own lives and we're trying to figure out what's going to work for us. And we're trying different things and they might not work, but they might work. Who knows? You know, collect the data. Don't judge the data just go through the process. So I think that's kind of how I I look at it. Yes, that's so good. And it just reminded me too of when I was sharing all the diets that I've tried, specifically when I was doing back my back pain, going through that, I was convinced that Whole30 was going to decrease my inflammation and nothing on Whole30. If you love Whole30, like all, that's great. 
For me, though, I was trying to trick my brain into saying, no, you need to do a Whole30 because it's going to decrease your inflammation. When really, if I'm being honest with myself, it was just because like another method of losing weight. But for me, just having those restrictions, if I failed, quote unquote, failed on one rule, it all went out the window. I was like, well, might as well drink wine, might as well eat sugar, might as well, you know, whatever all the other rules are that it says. And, and I see that in my clients too, with exercise where they think I don't have an hour to work out. So I'm just not going to do anything at all. People get hung up. I see on that the... with myself in business. Yeah. Too. Same, same. Oof. And like people get hung up <laughs> on the whole, I need to go spend two hours in the gym or I need to be like doing five hours of cardio and all of this. And it's like just a little, just like it's like dog training. I, this is awful, but I'm yeah. going to make this comparison. It's like dog training. <laughs> you can't sit down with your dog and train him for an hour. You just can't. He does not have the attention span for that. You can do so five to 10 minute segments every day or, you know, every three hours and he'll learn. But if you try and do it in an hour, you, you're just, it's a recipe for failure. It's so true. It's so true. And same thing with eating healthy, right? I love what you said. Let's start with one thing, one change. Who knows what, how the rest of the day is going to go. I love that. Yeah. That's really good. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you too is I'm curious about, this is switching gears just a little bit, but I'm circling all the way back to your triathlon that you were talking about and how you found strength training. And I'm really curious to hear how your nutrition or like how you're feeding your body has changed from when you were doing triathlons to strength training Mm -hmm. or if it has at all. Oh no, it has absolutely changed. Absolutely okay. changed. Um, so when I was when I started doing triathlon, I was coming from still working in food service, bakery, all that jazz, and so my I was realizing that the only way that I was going to be able to perform better was to eat better, and I didn't know how to do that, not really. So I did some research, I read a bunch of books and all that stuff, and and I was able to like okay realize that I needed to fuel myself during my workouts. That was one of the things that changed. I learned to fuel myself during my workouts, which was, you know, I was eating goos and and things like that, which wasn't the greatest on my stomach. (laughs) So I found Mm -hmm. like whole foods that worked in a similar manner. But I also realized that I kind of needed somehow to fuel myself after my workouts. But I didn't like, I think at that point, I wasn't, I just knew I needed to eat a lot. I didn't like focus on anything particular. And then at one point I did, I think I was tracking macros at one point and I was like, I should probably eat more protein. I read that you needed to eat more protein. So I started doing that. But along my journey, like I feel like, and I only know this because I've looked back at pictures of myself. When I was training for Ironman, I had a friend tell me that I looked unhealthy because I was working out so much. I was training for an Ironman. I was like, go, I think I was doing like 20 hours a week or trying to, and I was definitely not eating enough. Like I thought I was like, I would come home and I would eat and eat and eat, but I, I definitely wasn't tracking it. So I have no idea what I was really eating, but like, I look back now and I'm like, there was no way that I was eating enough. And it wasn't really until I started strength training and being like, okay, I'm going to track it. 
And we're going to do it in a way so that I can actually build muscle and grow. And now I'm a vegan, which is a whole other story. (laughs) But trying to teach myself how to get the amount of protein that I need to get in order to, A, you know, satisfy my basic needs because I'm a vegan and I need more and it's harder to get. And B, actually build muscle from that. Like, I, I can't just be fueling to survive. I need to be fueling to actually grow things because those require two different levels. Mm-hmm. So it's been a process of like, I eat so much more now than I was eating when I was training for Ironman. I honestly don't know how I was alive during that time. Like, I look at what I'm eating now versus what I ate then, and I'm like, I I mean, I know I was eating a lot, but I was eating mostly carbs, mostly lots and lots of veggies and some beans and like the occasional chicken, I think. That was before I was vegan. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, yeah, yeah. So definitely have changed. Yeah. When your friend said you look unhealthy, did, did they mean that you looked too skinny. skinny. Yeah. Skinny. I look at pictures yeah. and I'm like, I, I don't, I looked like I had done a bunch of drugs. Mm. Like, Which, okay. So we actually touched on this earlier, not the drugs part, but we talked about how being skinny doesn't always mean healthy, healthy. and vice yeah. versa. Having a large body does not always mean that you're unhealthy. Do you, do you have this conversation with your clients or I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that? Yes, because I think that a lot of times people come to me and they're like, oh, I just want to lose weight. You know, I want to be skinny. And I'm like, okay, well, why? Why do you want to be skinny? And so we have to like figure out why it is that they're feeling this way. Oftentimes it's they want to be able to move more so they can do fun activities. They want to be able to fit in their clothes better. They want to be able to go through life and not feel like they live in a world that doesn't fit them. Um, Mm. But that doesn't mean that they can't, like they're not healthy. I don't know. It's a struggle sometimes because what what is happening on the outside versus what is happening on the inside is two different things. And like, I feel like a lot of the world is not built for multiple sizes. Like if you look Mm -hmm. at planes and you look at trains and like seating and in movie theaters, I mean, now they're big and massive and luxurious, but like before (laughs) (laughs) it makes it interesting and challenging because helping people figure out what their why is helps them realize that a lot of what they believe that they wanted is because society has told them that that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And so helping them dive deeper and be like, okay, no, wait, I actually, I want to do things. I want to be with my family. I want to show up in this way and I can't do it because of it. Or they have like a medical issue and they're like, I have high blood pressure and I have arrhythmia and I need to fix these issues. You know, that's different. But sure, those issues aren't necessarily because they're overweight. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Yeah. I was just, I um, have seen a lot of chatter on social media about that. So I was, yeah, I know you and I have talked about that before, but I was just curious to, <laughs> to hear your thoughts on that. For sure. One more thing I wanted to circle back to. You mentioned something about like when you're going through your day and feeling a twinge and just stopping to check in with your body. I 
teach my clients that a lot of like, okay, what actually does this mean? Do you, do you teach that to your clients with like hunger cues, for example, or I'm curious to hear if you, how you do that on a nutrition level. So I kind of, I teach something. The word I use is awareness. I used to use appetite awareness, but it's no longer just about your appetite. It's, Mm -hmm. I, I talk about doing awareness checks every few hours and it's, you're paying attention to your energy. You're paying attention to your level of tiredness or exhaustion, and you're paying attention to stress levels and then emotions. Because those are the four things that like, those are going to affect how you respond to triggers that are showing up in your day and at things that might stimulate you into wanting to binge on some food or ending up in front of the fridge, even if you're not necessarily hungry. So hunger cues are absolutely important, but realizing if something is hunger cue or if something is based on any one of those four things, energy, tiredness, stress, and emotions, because those are going to dictate how you respond to things. So a lot of my coaching is basically teaching you to start paying attention to those things. And then once you pay attention and you're able to notice them and name what's happening, you allow yourself to create that space to be like, okay, so this is what's going on. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to eat something or am I going to find something else to do or satisfy the need that is causing this to happen? Because basically it's it's something that is indicating that your needs aren't being met. So you need mm-hmm. to find a way to meet those needs, whether that is getting some sleep, you know, talking about something if you're having a stressful moment, understanding why you're feeling certain emotions, that kind of thing. Yeah. I selfishly asked because yesterday, it was yesterday was Sunday, and it was like 2 p.m. And I was so bored. I was like, I don't feel like cleaning the house. I don't really have anything to do. I'm bored. And I've learned that boredom is a huge trigger of mine for comfort food and wine. And yesterday I wanted to open a bottle of wine and I was like, okay, clearly I'm bored. Like I could recognize my emotion. I could recognize that I was turning to wine to fulfill that. But, but I was like, but what do I do about boredom? Is it just that I, like, I do think that boredom is just really uncomfortable, especially for those of us who are like, you know, type A overachievers always feel like you have to be doing something. So, so what do you, what do you tell your clients? What would you tell me if I were your client and I was bored and I wanted to turn to something? What would so, I do instead? Two things. One is to have a toolbox or a list of strategies that you can utilize in a situation like that. So what are some alternative things that you could do to get you out of feeling bored? And those would be like activities. So like you could find something that makes you happy that you want to do, like maybe you want to pick up a hobby or maybe you want to go for a walk or read a book or call a friend, or I'm actually coming out with a PDF of 60 strategies. So be on the lookout for that. I'll send it to you. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. And then the other one is practice. So the more you have mindful moments, the easier it is to be comfortable in those moments where you're bored. Because part of the reason that you're bored, potentially, I don't know, I don't want to force anything on you, is that you're uncomfortable with doing nothing. 
that's it. That's exactly it. And you're it. uncomfortable potentially with being with yourself in that moment. So mm -hmm. if you pick up meditation or you practice having mindful moments, you know, before you have a coaching call or before, you know, you go to bed or right as you're drinking your coffee, just sit in those moments and like tune into what you're feeling and what's happening and like all of your senses. The more you develop that ability and that skill, the more that you'll be able to sit in that type of moment. That's so good. Yeah, because most of us are just so used to jumping from one thing to another work to picking up the kids to making dinner to whatever else busy activities we're so used to filling our schedule with. And for me personally, I've been working really hard. I recognize the irony. I've been working really hard on resting more because it's so hard for me to just sit and do nothing. I think because a lot of us, and especially in our society, value and worth is tied into busyness and productivity. Absolutely. So that's super interesting to recognize how that shows up. But specifically also for eating. Realizing that like, we are so used to being overstimulated, like with our phones, mm -hmm. with going outside and seeing all of the things that are just like billboards and lights and brights and whatever, that being in a moment of nothingness, we don't know how to do that anymore. Like our brains have mm -hmm. literally forgotten how to handle that. And so I think mm -hmm. it's a matter of like training yourself to be able to do that again. <laughs> but it kind of leads into that holistic approach that you and I have talked about in terms of how we each help our clients for you with the nutrition piece like we just talked about and even with the exercise or pain piece. So it's really cool just to talk about how everything's so connected. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about how you utilize the various different areas of our emotional, mental, spiritual health within your own like coaching practice? Yeah. So a lot of it is the awareness piece, like you talked about. So for example, I have a client right now I'm working with who has had back pain for years, several years. And she came to me her back pain was getting a little bit better, but she wanted to feel stronger and she was nervous, like we talked about earlier, about strengthening and lifting weights and doing the wrong things. So we've been working on specific tools, exercises, stretches to help her get rid of her back pain and also as we build strength. But one thing that I help my clients recognize are patterns in when their pain happens. So is it while you're sitting at your desk? Okay, like for this client specifically, she gets pain when she sits at her desk or she was when we first started working together. And so we looked at, okay, is it literally just a time issue? Like, have you been sitting there for five hours? Then maybe we just need to talk about getting up and moving more, right? I know, guilty. I do it too. You get stuck. Um, could it be a postural thing? Absolutely. One piece for her, she recognized she has multiple monitors. She, she was constantly twisting from her torso to, I forgot which direction. So yeah, that was absolutely contributing to some of her back pain. But as we dug even deeper, we recognized she was in an extremely stressful situation with her job. 
She also has some other personal things going on in her life that she didn't even recognize or put the pieces together were affecting and they were showing up as physical pain. Because what happened was the way we were able to to recognize that is we gave her the strategy to get up and move every so often. We gave her specific stretches and she would feel great on the weekends. And then she would sit on at her desk Monday morning and within 30 minutes, her pain would immediately come back. So, so we know, right, that's not necessarily a mechanical thing. That's really not a physical issue in your tissue. It's more of how are you feeling while you're sitting at your desk? How are you holding all that tension and how that's showing up? So, so really it's, it's looking at the bigger picture of what else do you have going on in your life? And yes, of course there's mechanics to it. And also, like I mentioned in the beginning, we are so much more than just muscles and ligaments and tendons and bones. And, and I think you said it beautifully that a lot of our emotions and mental stress can show up as physical pain because our body's trying to get our attention. I say, I tell this to my clients all the time, pain is literally just a signal that your body's trying to get your attention. So it could absolutely be movement related, but also like we just talked about What other emotions are you not, what other emotions are you avoiding? What emotions are you not processing that your body's been like, hey, we really need to like work through this here and and just kind of creating tension, physical tension in other ways or other areas. So that's kind of how I bring it all together. That's actually really awesome. It brings up this thought that I've been hearing a lot recently, and it's a lot about like resistance and how you're paying attention. So stuff is happening. You're developing this awareness to pay attention to what's happening in your life, whether that's with food or pain or whatever. And part of that process is to pay attention to the triggers that you're talking about. We also have triggers, obviously, with food and situations like that, like high stress situations, emotional situations, and like those kinds of things. So a lot of what we each are talking about with our clients is navigating that journey, and then dealing with moments of resistance where things pop up that say, Oh, I don't have time to deal with this. Oh, you know, Mm. this isn't a priority right now. I'm not good enough to handle this situation. I don't know enough. I this isn't going to fix the problem. Whatever your resistance is that's popping up, finding a way to look at that not as like a failure or a giant obstacle, but like how can you look at that as a need that's not being met and then integrate that back into your life? Mm-hmm. And then it will sort of like make that resistance like disperse because you've you've met the need you've seen the trigger, you've seen what's happening and you're able to like work through it rather than like, I don't know if any of this is making sense rather than like encountering a wall and just being like, I don't, I don't know what to do. You're able to like look at it from a growth mindset of, I can see this as a challenge and something I can learn from and work through. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And one way I show, I see this show up um, in my field is I find like when we feel that physical pain, another example that came up, I see a lot is neck pain that shows up at, you know, stress often comes in the form of neck pain. 
And what I've seen a lot in the physical therapy, kind of that traditional physical therapy model or that Western medical model that I mentioned is, and as you were talking, what I thought of was that pain sensation as kind of hitting that wall of feeling that resistance and immediately wanting to fix it, but looking outside of ourselves or looking to other people to fix it. So I would see clients or, and maybe this resonates with the people listening, of maybe you're seeing a physical therapist or a chiropractor and you're going to them to quote unquote fix your pain and you feel good for a few days, but then it keeps coming back and coming back because you haven't completely worked through the root of the issue. So that's kind of what came up as you were were talking about that. And I think that also plays a lot into like self-responsibility and taking control of your own pain, your own journey with food, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, and being like, Mm -hmm. okay, yes, I can utilize outside sources to help me. But ultimately, it's going to come down to what am I feeling in my body? And how can I fix that? And like, yes, having a coach and working with someone is going to give you those tools to do that. But you still have to show up and do the work. You still have to do what it is and like make the decisions that are going to move you forward. Yes. That's so good. I feel like that was just the mic drop moment. (laughs) (laughs) And looking at the time, I feel like that's a beautiful place to wrap up. Probably. But was there anything else? That was so good. Tying it all together, Morgan. Yeah. was there anything else that you wanted to share or or that you wanted to bring up? Um, well, I will. I like to ask all of my guest podcast people, what are the top three things that you're doing right now to feed your health? Oh, I love that. Um, okay, let me think for a minute. One is choosing more rest. That's been really transformative for me. It is very challenging, but it's making a very big difference. Um, The second one is learning to, well, I guess it kind of ties into rest, but I'm thinking of my workouts specifically. I love strength training so much. I love working out hard so much. And I tell my clients to listen to their bodies and take rest days when they need to. And so right now, because I'm struggling with like wanting to go and do and push so hard in my workouts, I'm creating a schedule for myself where I'm building in more yoga days, more active recovery days. What's the third thing? I am working on my meditation practice consistency is hard for me in meditation, probably because everything we just talked about where it is very hard to sit with emotions (laughs) and face everything the meditation brings up. (laughs) Yeah. But that is, those are my three rest, just overall being okay with the boredom, being okay with doing nothing on weekends, specifically rest, more rest and recovering my workouts and my meditation. I feel that so much because as a business owner, I struggle with like taking breaks and I have to make sure, okay, I have a cutoff time every day and I have to take two days off. Like I have to, 
because when I don't, I crash, I, I burn later. And I know that happens. And even if I'm like, no, I'll just work a little. I'm like, no, don't do it. Pay pay for it later. Don't do it. Yes. And I have, I have, I have trouble with the doing nothing as well. So you're not alone Mm -hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, I would love to ask you, um, what makes you feel like your strongest self? Hmm. That's interesting. My strongest self. So it's. I would say this is. It's weird because it's kind of purely vain, but also not. I go to a lot of raves, so EDM festivals, and one of the biggest things about that not only am I part of like this amazing community and the music is fabulous but I get to dress up and my outfits are like super rainbow and sparkly and like uh, I feel like I am like a representation of myself when I get to go to these festivals and I feel like that's probably when I feel my strongest because like I wear I'm a candy kid I don't know if you know what candy is but it's like this these plastic beads and you make it into jewelry and then you trade it with people so you're like giving away gifts to people and like being a rainbow fairy vomit looking beautiful thing giving (laughs) away candy i don't know it's just a vibe it's a vibe i feel like my strongest self then i got chills when you said i feel like what did you say the greatest expression of myself that's so beautiful i love it your outfits are so good. I get so excited when you post them. They're so amazing. They're so fun. So fun. This has been so good. I think we need to do a part two because we didn't get to all of our outline. We didn't even get to touch on business stuff. So, <laughs> so we'll have to come back for more. For sure. No worries. Thank though. you so much. Yeah, this has been awesome. I've loved so it. So fun. So yes. many tangents, but so wonderful. <laughs> And all connected. Yes. Because it all is. All related. It's all connected. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for everyone listening. I would love to hear what your takeaways were. Come find us. Where can people find you, Morgan, to chat with you? I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and I do have a website. I will link it in the show notes. Catch me on Instagram. I'm on awesome. there daily. <laughs> Same. Well, I'm I'm also choosing rest from Instagram sometimes, so I'm not on there every day anymore, but I am on there frequently. So we'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes, and we would love to hear from you. Yay! All right, so we're back. This is later Morgan talking. I hope some of what we discussed was useful and that you enjoyed the discussion with Sam. I had a lot of fun doing it. Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you found this at all useful, please like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, and I'll talk to you next time. Ciao!